0: Section 10 of Winesburg, Ohio. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Weinsburg, Ohio by Sherwood Anderson. Section 10 Godliness, Part 4 Terror. When David Hardy was a tall boy of fifteen, he, like his mother, had an adventure that changed the whole current of his life and sent him out of his quiet corner into the world. The shell of the circumstances of his life was broken, and he was compelled to start forth. He left Winesburg, and no one there ever saw him again. After his disappearance, his mother and grandfather both died, and his father became very rich. He spent much money in trying to locate his son, but that is no part of this story. It was in the late fall of an unusual year on the Bentley farms. Everywhere the crops had been heavy. That spring, Jesse had bought part of a long strip of black swampland that lay in the valley of Wine Creek, He got the land at a low price, but had spent a large sum of money to improve it. Great ditches had to be dug, and thousands of tile laid. Neighbouring farmers shook their heads over the expense. Some of them laughed, and hoped that Jesse would lose heavily by the venture. But the old man went silently on with the work, and said nothing. When the land was drained, he planted it to cabbages and onions, and again the neighbours laughed. The crop was, however, enormous, and brought high prices. In the one year, Jesse made enough money to pay for all the cost of preparing the land, and had a surplus that enabled him to buy two more farms. He was exultant, and could not conceal his delight. For the first time in all the history of his ownership of the farms, he went among his men with a smiling face." Jesse bought a great many new machines for cutting down the cost of labor, and all of the remaining acres in the strip of black, fertile swamp land. One day he went into Winesburg and bought a bicycle and a new suit of clothes for David, and he gave his two sisters money with which to go to a religious convention at Cleveland, Ohio. In the fall of that year... When the frost came and the trees in the forests along Wine Creek were golden brown, David spent every moment, when he did not have to attend school, out in the open. Alone or with other boys, he went every afternoon into the woods to gather nuts. The other boys of the countryside, most of them sons of labourers on the Bentley farms, had guns with which they went hunting rabbits and squirrels, but David did not go with them. "'He made himself a sling with rubber bands and a forked stick "'and went off by himself to gather nuts. "'As he went about, thoughts came to him. "'He realised that he was almost a man "'and wondered what he would do in life. "'But before they came to anything, "'the thoughts passed and he was a boy again. "'One day he killed a squirrel "'that sat on one of the lower branches of a tree "'and chattered at him. "'Home he ran with the squirrel in his hand.' One of the Bentley sisters cooked the little animal, and he ate it with great gusto. The skin he tacked on a board and suspended the board by a string from his bedroom window. That gave his mind a new turn. After that he never went into the woods without carrying the sling in his pocket, and he spent hours shooting at imaginary animals concealed among the brown leaves in the trees. Thoughts of his coming manhood passed, and he was content to be a boy with a boy's impulses. One Saturday morning, when he was about to set off for the woods with the sling in his pocket and a bag for nuts on his shoulder, his grandfather stopped him. In the eyes of the old man was the strained, serious look that always a little frightened David. At such times Jesse Bentley's eyes did not look straight ahead— but wavered, and seemed to be looking at nothing. Something like an invisible curtain appeared to have come between the man and all the rest of the world. "'I want you to come with me,' he said briefly, and his eyes looked over the boy's head into the sky. "'We have something important to do today. You may bring the bag for nuts if you wish, it does not matter, and anyway we'll be going into the woods.' Jesse and David set out from the Bentley farmhouse in the old phyton that was drawn by the white horse. When they'd gone along in silence for a long way, they stopped at the edge of a field where a flock of sheep were grazing. Among the sheep was a lamb that had been born out of season, and this David and his grandfather caught, and tied so tightly that it looked like a little white ball. When they drove on again, Jesse let David hold the lamb in his arms, "'I saw it yesterday, and it put me in mind of what I have long wanted to do,' he said. And again he looked away over the head of the boy, with the wavering, uncertain stare in his eyes. After the feeling of exaltation that had come to the farmer as a result of his successful year, another mood had taken possession of him. For a long time he had been going about feeling very humble and prayerful. Again he walked alone at night, thinking of God, and as he walked he again connected his own figure with the figures of old days. Under the stars he knelt on the wet grass and raised up his voice in prayer. Now he had decided that, like the men whose stories filled the pages of the Bible, he would make a sacrifice to God. I have been given these abundant crops, and God has also sent me a boy who is called David, he whispered to himself perhaps I should have done this thing long ago. He was sorry the idea had not come into his mind in the days before his daughter Louise had been born, and thought that surely now, when he had erected a pile of burning sticks in some lonely place in the woods, and had offered the body of a lamb as a burnt offering, God would appear to him and give him a message. More and more, as he thought of the matter, he thought also of David, and his passionate self-love was partially forgotten. It is time for the boy to begin thinking of going out into the world, and the message will be one concerning him, he decided. God will make a pathway for him. He will tell me what place David is to take in life, and when he shall set out on his journey. It is right that the boy should be there. If I am fortunate, and an angel of God should appear, David will see the beauty and glory of God made manifest to man. It will make a true man of God of him also. In silence, Jesse and David drove along the road, until they came to that place where Jesse had once before appealed to God, and had frightened his grandson. The morning had been bright and cheerful, but a cold wind now began to blow, and clouds hid the sun. When David saw the place to which they had come, he began to tremble with fright. And when they stopped by the bridge where the creek came down from among the trees, he wanted to spring out of the fight on and run away. A dozen plans for escape ran through David's head. But when Jesse stopped the horse and climbed over the fence into the wood, he followed. "'It is foolish to be afraid. Nothing will happen,' he told himself, as he went along with the lamb in his arms." there was something in the helplessness of the little animal held so tightly in his arms that gave him courage. He could feel the rapid beating of the beast's heart, and that made his own heart beat less rapidly. As he walked swiftly along behind his grandfather, he untied the string with which the four legs of the lamb were fastened together. If anything happens, we will run away together, he thought. In the woods, After they had gone a long way from the road, Jesse stopped in an opening among the trees, where a clearing, overgrown with small bushes, ran up from the creek. He was still silent, but began at once to erect a heap of dry sticks, which he presently set afire. The boy sat on the ground with the lamb in his arms. His imagination began to invest every movement of the old man with significance— "'and he became every moment more afraid. "'I must put the blood of the lamb on the head of the boy,' Jesse muttered, "'when the sticks had begun to blaze greedily, "'and taking a long knife from his pocket, "'he turned and walked rapidly across the clearing toward David. "'Terror seized upon the soul of the boy. "'He was sick with it. "'For a moment he sat perfectly still, "'and then his body stiffened and he sprang to his feet.' His face became as white as the fleece of the lamb that, now finding itself suddenly released, ran down the hill. David ran also. Fear made his feet fly. Over the low bushes and logs he leaped frantically. As he ran he put his hand into his pocket and took out the branch stick from which the sling for shooting squirrels was suspended. When he came to the creek that was shallow and splashed down over the stones... He dashed into the water and turned to look back, and when he saw his grandfather still running toward him with the long knife held tightly in his hand, he did not hesitate, but reached down, selected a stone, and put it in the sling. With all his strength he drew back the heavy rubber bands, and the stone whistled through the air. It hit Jesse, who had entirely forgotten the boy and was pursuing the lamb squarely in the head, With a groan, he pitched forward and fell, almost at the boy's feet. When David saw that he lay still, and that he was apparently dead, his fright increased immeasurably. It became an insane panic. With a cry, he turned and ran off through the woods, weeping convulsively. "'I don't care! I killed him, but I don't care!' he sobbed. As he ran on and on, He decided suddenly that he would never go back again to the Bentley Farms or to the town of Winesburg. "'I have killed the man of God, and now I will myself be a man and go into the world,' he said stoutly as he stopped running, and walked rapidly down a road that followed the windings of Wine Creek as it ran through fields and forests into the west. On the ground by the creek, Jesse Bentley moved uneasily about.' He groaned and opened his eyes. For a long time he lay perfectly still and looked at the sky. When at last he got to his feet, his mind was confused, and he was not surprised by the boy's disappearance. By the roadside he sat down on a log and began to talk about God. That is all they ever got out of him. Whenever David's name was mentioned, he looked vaguely at the sky and said that a messenger from God had taken the boy. It happened because I was too greedy for glory, he declared, and would have no more to say on the matter. End of section 10.